Hello, magandang buhay, marhabat, or Muslim friends. Welcome to Life, Love, Love and, and Financial, financial freedom. freedom. For those who are new to our podcast, welcome. And I am Delcy, and this is my husband, Robert. So before anything else, we would like to thank all our friends who messaged us regarding our last few episodes. We really appreciate you for listening and giving your comments on our episodes. For those who haven't listened, you can listen to our last five episodes. And then you can also follow us in the Instagram, Facebook, and also you can email us at life.love.financialfreedom at gmail.com or you can leave a message here in Anchor. Uh, thank you for taking the time to listen to us and we're currently taking donations because <laughs> Chick-fil-A is super expensive. Chick-fil-A is very expensive. Chick-fil-A, coffee. Um, Sarpinos. Yeah, pizza, pizza from Sarpinos and... Uh, Ice cream, <laughs> super expensive. So ice cream, in spite of the fact that it's snowing right now. Yeah, so good morning. Uh, we have our uh, cold morning today. Yeah, it's just started snowing here in Kansas City. It's too early for the snow. Yeah. But I'm loving it. I hate. How about you? <laughs> I hate snow. I just have an excuse not to start my driving lessons, huh? Uh, uh, I mean, I'd I'd rather live in the snow than deal with the heat like in a desert or in the Philippines but I still don't like it <laughs> so we might have snow until tomorrow right yeah I think so uh, I was hoping that it would be bad enough that I'd have to go to work today but looks like I'll still have to go yes so anyway it's still pandemic and we're still hoping that this would be over soon we're still praying so today's episode we're gonna talk about what are our hardships that we've encountered also all the things that we've realized our life lessons during this pandemic so last march after our wedding in february we had uh, lockdown already here I think that's when they started announcing it. Yeah. And then they eventually did did the um, social distancing and the lockdowns and stuff during that month. February? No, and then uh, March. Yeah, they just announced, but it wasn't that trick that time, right? No, they were talking about it, then they they made the announcement that there was going to be an effect, I think, that month. Yeah. And, and that's when, like, you know, we had to wear the masks. Uh, every time we went to that grocery, nothing's there. <laughs> there's it's there's no more toiletries. There's no more uh, toilet paper. We could never find any um, disinfectant wipes. Uh, whatever we wanted to buy to eat, it's always gone. But I was able to stock up on canned food still. Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes I wanted to buy a steak, but everybody always took it. Never leave anything for me. So there was really panic buying, I think, that first month. Yeah, everybody was being greedy. 
Like they're acting like it's a zombie apocalypse or something. Yeah, it was like in a movie. So, and really, what they should be stocking up on instead of meat is Twinkies, because Twinkies last a while. What's Twinkies? It's like a snack cake. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna talk about food again. <laughs> I don't know. We always talk about food. We love talking about food. Twinkies are full of preservatives, and they'll last you a long time. Yeah. So anyway, back to our serious stuff. So during this pandemic, there was a big um, commotion commotion in your workplace. So yeah. tell her, share about that. Uh, they, they, were, uh, they gave us a notice saying that uh, were, the immigrations was gonna run out of money for funding and they won't be able to pay us and there's a possibility that they, they would lay everyone off if um, they couldn't get approved for a, like a loan from the government in July. Yeah. yeah. So during that time, they first they sent us a warning, then after that they just kept making us sign these uh, letters. Yeah, every month we were just we were like waiting for the letter. Yeah, like the first month they they made us sign a letter saying they were gonna lay us off, mm. and then right. like at the end of the month when it was supposed to be our last day, they told us oh we were able to extend our contract. And we'll be, we'll be able to keep you for another month. And that went on for like two months, two or three months, I think, until I got tired of it. Yeah, but it builds up our anxiety of what will Well, the first the right? first time I signed the letter, I was kind of ready to leave because <laughs> I, I just wanted to take a break and I was willing to do like Postmates and lift full time for a while just because yeah. I like the freedom. <laughs> Yeah, we're doing the side hustles of Postmates ever since I arrived here. Yeah, uh, the first time we tried it, it wasn't very busy because that's when the pandemic started and the, the restaurants were closed. Yeah. And so we weren't getting as many orders as we usually would when, when I used to do it. Mm-hmm. That's another thing I hate about this pandemic is all the restaurants were closed. Because there's one place I, I was really mad that I could never go to again. I still can't go to it now. Because they, they only serve food outside. What's that? The, the I Am Frozen oh, Dessert yeah. Cafe. That's our this favorite dessert shop. Yeah, they serve uh, ice cream toast. I think they're open already, huh? Yeah, they're open, but I can't eat inside. Oh, yeah, just outside. Yeah, he wants to eat outside. And then it's cold right now, so I don't they're, think they're, we can stay outside. And their seats are very limited outside, so I can't. <laughs> I like to be comfortable when I eat. Yeah. So anyway, when did you decide to apply for this other job? Uh, well, at first I didn't really care because I assumed that they would eventually work things out. And uh, they said I got tired of it and I was just messing around one day. And I applied for a position with the um, IRS. And then like a week later, I got a notification that they, was, that they I was in consideration. So I was like surprised. <laughs> So before that, they were like very problematic. We were just expecting letter after letter every month, thinking yeah. that they would completely close down and just lay off. Yeah. From the immigration, right? Yeah. But, uh, 
But uh, I just kept getting like uh, responses from the IRS saying that my application is still getting moved forward and all that stuff. So I, I looked more into it with the, in the position, and, it seemed, and then when I saw all the benefits and all that stuff in the IRS, uh, I decided to go for it. <laughs> so that's the time that I think what month was that? July. You moved to. Yeah, July. Decided to resign. The I think I accepted the position in June, then July was when I was supposed to start. And then I, I and like July is when I uh, gave my two-week notice in my immigration job. Yeah, and then after that, I also persuaded you to do try this uh, new side hustle, which is us reselling. Yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, I just... I just decided just to do it because you know you kept bugging me. Cause <laughs> you, you discovered because you wanted to make some extra cash. So. Yeah, and I was always watching these YouTube videos of resellers, successful resellers. Mostly they're like full-time resellers, so I said, why not? Because I've seen you have like extra stuffs here, like your digital digital weighing scale. They have like three of them, uh, and I I look it up. And they're worth something. Yeah, then you kind of went a little, uh, uh, kind of got a little out of hand because <laughs> you kept trying to sell everything. <laughs> oh my god! You kept trying yeah. to sell everything that I wasn't using. <laughs> I opened your storage room. And it got to the point. I think you're selling my clothes now. <laughs> so, so everyone, uh, I don't have anything to wear anymore. <laughs> But I asked you. You said. Oh, I mean, because you lost so much weight. Yeah, lost so much weight. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't. I couldn't wear my old clothes anymore because I lost a lot of weight. Yeah, from XL, XXL, XL to yeah, now you're medium. Medium or small? I don't know. See, so in reselling, we at least we didn't have. Uh, we didn't need to have, take it out from your own pocket. Yeah. So of course I don't have money was, so from you. But, but so I was able to sell all I still, the. Other. I don't want to buy new clothes. So I still, I still was wearing some of my double XL for a while. Okay. So <laughs> I look like a, I look like a coat hanger. Yeah, you were, you look like a hanger. So at least somebody would be able to use your clothes. You know, thrifting is really nice. You're earning at the same time. You're also. Can also buy some stuffs. It's fine. I, mean, uh, I don't, the only thing I don't like was when you had to wake up early in the morning to drop it off at the USPS. Yeah, I was enjoying it, and also I like packaging because you know I like this uh, polymillers. I've discovered these beautiful designs of polymillers, and then also the free packaging from USPS. Oh my God, they were great. Okay. And then I just kept ordering for you. Yeah. <laughs> and they also aside from that you all it's very easy because you just have to print the labels from the app it's very easy and and like uh when you ship from other for example way back in the philippines i have to write the names and address so uh, you're prone to errors okay <laughs> and i you remember your uh what I got? the first thing that we sold was your toaster yeah right. and realize that we only gained how i think three dollars <laughs> yeah she she 
She got a little too excited when she sold one of my toasters that I bought for like, I don't know, like 20 bucks or something. Yeah. But when she sold it, she included like free shipping or something. <laughs> so our profit after that was only like really three dollars. Yeah, because it is our first time and of course... So I, got, I got a little mad. I got a little mad when she did that. I was like, why'd you sell that? I bought it for like 20 sold it for three. Three dollars <laughs> and... I bet the customer was very happy and she gave us a very nice review after that. And after that, of course, we had more customers and I was able to buy all these packaging stuff that I need. Also, printer. So it's really helpful. Same thing, we're able to go to coffee shops sometimes and our Korean chickens using our money from Poshmark and Mercury. Yeah, that's what we mostly use your money for. It's like sometimes it's like we have Food. no we have no money, and it comes kind of handy because you know sometimes I want to eat like Korean fried chicken, and Korean fried chicken is like more expensive than Chick Fil A. It's usually costs us about like over fifty dollars, I think, when we go. Cause yeah, we, we get a little crazy when we order stuff. And I'm surprised sometimes because like your broken phones, though I found two phones. Which I priced for like 90, uh, the minimum was like 70, 90 dollars. We gained, uh, I were able to earn from that. They weren't functioning at all, but of course the buyers would maybe fix it. And yeah, that's what they do. They, they would uh, refurbish it and fix it to resell it. See, there's cash from trash. Yeah. I like the russian of looking for those things branded things that i can i think i would earn from it yeah uh, what are some of the other difficulties you encountered during this pandemic uh, during this pandemic of course i'm just staying here at the apartment i'm always bored but i made sure that i just um try to be still try to still be positive yeah, uh, I think during this time I was kind of always worried about our uh, papers being processed at the immigrations. Yeah, that's another one that I'm super thankful because by the time that we were able to have our appointment date for my for our interview, for our green card interview. Yeah, for the green card interview, you already got a job in the IRS. So I'm thinking now, if we if you lost your job and we had our interview, there's a possibility that. Uh, we would fail in our green card interview. Right? Uh, no, because uh, I would still meet the um, poverty guidelines even if I was didn't have a job because of my um, disability from oh, the VA. Yeah. Right, right. Because <laughs> the the minimum the minimum uh, to meet the poverty guidelines for a uh, family of two mm -hmm. is like twenty one thousand. So I would have still met it from just from my VA disability because I get like twenty four thousand a year. Yeah. So anyway, I think yeah, it's it's better to be over just. So. Yeah, it's better, to, of course, to have a fixed job. Yeah. Yes, even though if I, uh, I mean, you have your disability. I mean, even if, even if I just did the postmates, I don't know how they feel. <laughs> yeah. It. How they feel about that? Like, how they consider that it was a real job or not? <laughs> I'm not sure as well, but. <laughs> The only thing that with these side hustles is that, of course, you own your own, 
you, you own your time you don't have your boss but it still needs a lot of effort yeah because you, you really have to put in a lot of time and you're also kind of wasting money at the same time because just some gas yeah for the postmates and for that's why that's what i learned when i when i was started doing postmates and doordash was mm. that if when i first started i, I like overdid it like i do it <laughs> non-stop <laughs> like i I'd, I'd do it for like i think two or three hours before i went to work yeah and then on the weekends i I'd do it like all day then i was like oh man i'm making so much extra cash at the time but then i realized that i was, I was also losing money just because i was putting so much mileage yeah my car and using gas yeah and for the marker and poshmark as well of course you have to make some time and effort into posting those sourcing at for the first one is you have to source and then uh, you have to measure for example the, uh, the if you're selling clothes and then packaging everything like that dealing with comments low ball offers my god yeah uh, i couldn't do that because <laughs> I, i just want to just i don't know just take a picture and post it and yeah <laughs> hopefully somebody buys but there's a lot of effort included with like the marketing part of it i'm just trying trying to promote your items yeah and that's just yeah. too much effort for me that one is in poshmark i think because they're like a more Uh, into the social aspect of selling yeah you have to share your items every day they're expecting you to share no they're not expecting i mean they're trying to convince you to promote like once or twice a day uh, if so if for example you have a list of a thousand items it's gonna be difficult so for those for example for those full-time resellers they're hiring somebody to just share for them but in mercury good thing is that you don't need really to do those sharings you just have to promote to your likers and also i like it because they only have 10% cut off so it's nice um are you planning to still continue doing this when you start working yeah <laughs> i'm inspired by one of the youtubers that i've watch she's also a nurse and a, a part-time reseller and she's a also a wife and a mother so i don't know how she handles it so hopefully you can do it in yeah, you can probably still do it on your spare time so yeah just in uh, my spare time i think i can put as much effort like you do now <laughs> even now i'm sometimes i'm not <laughs> making so much effort i'm not even listening just and so you, we haven't sourced you don't anymore. have like a lot of new items to post Yeah, good thing mom sent us some boxes of clothes and... I don't think anybody's bought that... those clothes though. We'll see. I have listed them for like less than a month. Okay. So it's winter times, but those clothes are mostly good for summer and spring. Yeah. So autumn. Is there like uh, any things you wish we could have uh, done differently? when the pandemic started like have like a better plan or anything like that <laughs> mm, I don't think so because I have a strong faith that everything will uh, work out fine and as of now I think our timeline is 
there's always a reason for everything like for example you lost your job in the immigration i was yeah. really we're really frustrated about it everybody at my work was worried about yeah. um losing their job but i don't know i guess I, don't, I, don't, I wasn't really that worried about it because I mean I've dealt with yeah. situations like this. Yeah, we've been through for, so much for a while, already. So I, it was nothing new to me. Yeah, like, so the past experiences really, and you know the hardships that we've been through, and made my us whole, stronger. My whole life has been hard, so. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, yeah, I've dealt with it before. Like the time when I was basically working for free. Yeah, for your I, sales. When I used was doing, trying to do sales full-time <laughs> so it's nothing new yeah I mean if I could do it differently I wish I had more time where I can have a better plan to prepare like you know do certain things like what Dave Ramsey recommends like creating an emergency fund or oh the, yeah something like that we'll get to that I mean I, I gotta I gotta probably done it if I was still single but it's a little different since <laughs> I have to worry about taking care of you and all that yeah. stuff so for me and on top of that <laughs> on top on top of that there's always like certain things that keep coming up that can like disrupt your finances is that like you know like a like if I'm trying to pay off my debt then all of a sudden something comes up like mm. that I have to pay for like um, like our immigration fees the uh, our attorney fees mm. like to buy a super expensive plane ticket and his pay for his hotel in the coming year yeah but that's at least even though paid I mean you paid much for that it was wor- all worth it oh uh, I don't know hopefully I get a good ROI yeah <laughs> hopefully in like another that, one or two months because yeah. uh yeah, we're waiting for something. Hopefully. Yeah. So uh, when you start working, I can you can treat me to as much uh, Korean fried chicken yes, as I want. All the Korean fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just go back and forth to BBQ and CM chicken. Yeah, I shouldn't I shouldn't really eat that much because I'll get fat again. Yeah. I have to look. I have to gain weight. So anyway. So to summarize it all, what are the life lessons that you've learned for you? Uh, just um, to have faith and uh, believe that you know that even though things are hard, that eventually does get better. Yeah. And for me, I think it's um, you know the hardships that you've been going through in your previous in your past. For example, as we have already encountered a lot when we were just starting our relationship we lost our our jobs we've been through the toughest times so now i think we've become stronger and we have stronger faith as well that everything will work out fine for the better yeah and uh, also i mean one thing i always had was a lot of perseverance so i've been through you know a lot of hard hardships in my life, but I was always able to uh, fight through it all and persevere and overcome it. Yeah, so if you've listened to one of our episodes, we said that it's okay not to be okay. But of course, 
we really should also appreciate all the blessings that we have so look at the bright side of life even though it's pandemic we can't go out that much at least we were able to spend more time with our family and discover new skills like for me i was able to discover baking cooking some are even taking care of plants you know some uh, discover some arts and craft yeah i mean i i learned just to be thankful even, even though things yeah. can, are hard right now it could be worse yeah so hopefully they've inspired our listeners and thank you so much for listening to this episode yeah it's, we have to go outside soon and this super cold weather yes so hopefully you'll be able to uh, listen to our next podcast again we're gonna go outside and uh, make snow angels (laughs) get coffee after yes coffee on a snowy morning thank you everyone for listening okay till next time bye bye Hello, magandang buhay, marhaba to our Muslim friends. I'm Delcy. This is Robert. Welcome to Life, Life Love, Love, and, and Financial, financial freedom. freedom. So we've been slacking off and we haven't recorded for more than two weeks. Yeah, we've, we've been, been pretty busy. Yeah. You gotta take your eye off. <laughs> what? So for our listeners, welcome back to our podcast. And for our new listeners, you can follow us at facebook and instagram at life.love.financialfreedom and you can also email us at life.love.financialfreedom at google.com or here in anchor okay welcome back (laughs) okay so for today's episode we've decided uh, to share my story about my stroke as i've mentioned before in one of our episodes i had a stroke when i was 27 years old so I want to share some snippets about the, my experience. Okay, and can you take us to uh, the day that when you um, had your stroke? Okay, so I'll take you to my memory lane, but it's gonna be, um, I don't know. My memory is poor, so hopefully I can still remember everything. And um, that was February 6, 2014. Yes, prior to that, I remember now that I always had a migraine. That one year before that, I had a migraine. And then I'm always going to the preventive, uh, what do you call that one? Preventive medicine. Yeah, I forgot already. Yeah. And then they would always prescribe me medications for my headache. So what I would do, I would just take it and rest during my days off. And then I didn't really pay attention to it because I said, it's nothing serious. I'm just stressed at work. And maybe um, I was tired and there's a lot of things going on that year. I remember before that, 
2013 I had my vacation and you came as well so uh, the first time we met yeah the first time you met in November 2013 November December I forgot already uh, and then 2013. I went back I went back to Saudi in uh, January and then February 6 I was uh, me and my friend were like it's our day off and we're always ha- dye our hair So we're coloring our hair, and we've been using the same brand ever since. And I didn't have any reaction or anything. So we always uh, like um, he does my own. I, I do my his uh, her hair first, and then she would do mine. And then it, when it was my turn, she was like uh, brushing my hair already. I was just I was just uh, sitting, and then I felt like I was dizzy. At first, it was just um, mild dizziness. So I told her, um, "I'm having dizziness," and then she said, "Oh, maybe let's just." I was just in a change position or anything, but I'm just sitting. And then eventually, it became a severe dizziness, and I felt like I was uh, being turned upside down. Like literally, <laughs> I was just sitting, but I felt like my head is in the floor, and my feet is in the roof. So it was severe, and she even transferred me to the couch. But still, I was just lying there. But I felt like I was being rotated. It was the uh, what I call this most unbearable dizziness that I've ever experienced, and. They thought I had a severe allergic reaction to the dye, so they washed my hair, washed my hair, but I can still smell the dye or the hair color. And then they gave—I remember—they gave me some uh, antihistamine or uh, medication for the allergy, and but it didn't relieve my dizziness. Mm-hmm. And then. So, they brought me to the emergency department. We call that uh, A and E there. It's accident in emergency department. And I remember my, our we have a driver. He was also like super worried. He's we've been always riding uh, his taxi before, and I remembered he carried me because I couldn't stand anymore. He carried me from his taxi to the wheel to the stretcher with the help of the nurses there, and I think yeah, that's the time that my symptoms like progressed. So they did an emergency CT scan, but before that, they were asking me what they do. <laughs> so it was kind of funny and embarrassing because my hair and my friend's hair smells like the hair color. <laughs> Like the dye, but the, the the smell was very strong. So I was like, "Oh, so this must be allergy." So you know what? They gave me a shot. It was for the allergy, but I don't know what that was anymore. But I but I became groggy, sleepy, and I slept the whole time. And then they brought me to the CT scan. I had urgent CT scan, but. Before twelve midnight, they said my CT scan was normal, and they sent me home. Okay, and then what happened when you 
And then the following day, supposed to be I was working that day. Um, yeah, if I'm not sure, I was to be working that day. And then one of my friends, I can't couldn't remember anymore, who slept with me because they were nervous what that I'm still dizzy. So somebody slept with me in my room. And then in the morning, I couldn't get up. I was super dizzy again. I couldn't stand. So they rushed me back to the to the A and E or the emergency, and that's the time that they reviewed my CT scan again, and they've seen I don't know what came first, the infarct or the hemorrhage. I had um, I had both actually. I had um, um, ischemic stroke and hemorrhagic stroke. So I had. So I stayed there already, and my symptoms progressed. I had a series of uh, CT scan and MRIs, and I think that's the time that I was uh, that my really my symptoms like I have slurring of speech already. I was dizzy. They couldn't they couldn't talk to me that much anymore. I don't know what's my GCS or my Glasgow Coma Scale already, but I know that. <laughs> I was like deteriorating. I couldn't. I was not allowed to go to the bathroom. I was monitored, and I was supposed to be transferred to the neuro ICU that time. But there were like funny moments at that time <laughs> because I have severe headache because I think my the intracranial pressure is increasing already. I was severe. I was having severe headache. And they're like giving me, I don't know what's the timing anymore, but they're giving me alternating paracetamol and ibuprofen um, every six hours or every eight hours continuously. And then I'll just sleep. And then my friends informed my you. So what? share what happened when Kikai called you, Han. I should have come. I just remember like... Uh... I was sleeping, then all of a sudden I heard like the messenger on Facebook, the alert yeah. on my phone, because we got woken up easily because I heard the the alert, and then I read it and she said that you you're in the hospital and then you had a stroke. Yeah. And I, I was like worried because I don't know what's going on and I couldn't be with you. <laughs> yeah, and so she's she also has uh, to inform had to inform my family my friends they were like having prayer brigades already because i was like deteriorating so um, my colleagues keep on visiting me during my break i remember and but i couldn't eat because i was having difficulty swallowing and then I remember my, the head of our department, our hospital, visited me, and he has a she has a very strong accent. So these are the things that I could remember. It was funny because they were like talking to me, and I couldn't. I wanted to answer them, but I can remember that I don't. I don't know. Like it, it doesn't register in my mind. What are I couldn't just understand what they're talking about. And she was talking to me in English, and I just couldn't understand her what she what she was saying but i just said but because she was asking me some questions and 
I don't know if I answered her well and all of the heads of our department were there and then every now and then my colleagues would visit me and they would bring food but eventually I was eventually I was transferred to a different departments because our emergency have different departments so because the new ICU they don't have available bed I think that time so they keep on transferring me to every department and every day I have CT scan MRI I remember I all had like 10 or more CT scans or MRIs and I'm just glad that you know I had a wonderful neuro uh, neuro team who handled my case he was a senior registrar a senior consultant I mean and eventually they started me on some medications when my bleeding subsided but before that I really had a a hard time because I couldn't get up I couldn't stand I was just in my stretcher for a month yeah that's been really hard yeah it was what was was hard not just for me but also for my for the my friends who were taking care of me so there were three of them who were my main uh what do you call that one they were my carers (laughs) yeah they were my carers and they had to relate relay the news to my family at that time and i remember that i had to undergo one procedure that was invasive it was i forgot the procedure but I don't, I don't know why I don't want to sign the wave, the consent. And my friend was crying already. She was, she was explaining it to my parents over the phone. And you, said, you told me it's, it was pretty risky. Yeah, it was pretty risky. And but at that time, hun, I really can't decide. I'm just some things just telling me that no, don't sign, don't sign. <laughs> I don't know because you know I my mind is like in um I have um I can't think straight. It's like I mean uh I'm swimming. Yeah. <laughs> I can't describe it, but I can't think straight. My decisions are not good. But I was firm in not signing the procedure at that time, the consent for the procedure. And my friend and the team, of course, the doctors were explaining that I need this to diagnose what's really causing my stroke or something like that. They did a serious investigations, but they couldn't find the real cause. And they even asked me what I did before the before the stroke. And because I was young and active, I didn't have um, any underlying problems. I just remember that you, I had you have, uh, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, no, or anything like that. Yeah, I remembered overall my entire stay in the hospital. I had a normal blood pressure, so they're trying to investigate. You have a normal cholesterol. Too. Yeah, cholesterol was fine. They tried to check my some investigations, genetics or anything. There's nothing, so it's really mind-boggling that uh, I had a stroke at a very young age but I remembered before that I had I was working I was uh, before my vacation uh, during my vacation I was and very were, busy uh, and stressed entered maybe uh, sleep apnea or anything like that um, I think no 
Yeah, I think no, because my I'm snoring before that, but my I don't have a super loud snore, <laughs> unlike now. <laughs> now I'm snoring too much, but you know I'm having migraines before, and I just realized it after I recovered already, and I have these signs already, like presumptive signs already that I'm gonna have a stroke, but I just re- disregarded it. I was having during my night shift duties. I can remember. I have migraines during my off days and then during my night shifts I don't I think that I just thought that I'm just I didn't have enough sleep so I'm having tingling in my uh, fingers but I said there's nothing wrong with me and then the day before my stroke I was really busy I was handling patients in two like two departments because we have two departments the adult congenital and the adult patients i was going back and forth and i have a trainee super busy and super stressed and that was it oh yeah i also slipped during new year so that i had a stroke in february 6 and then january 1 yeah before that i slipped and i was like telling the the doctor that Maybe that was the cause or something like that. But he said no because uh, I had infarcts already prior to that. And then she said, uh, she was a- he was asking me if I was uh, dancing the rabbit <laughs> dance. The one you're, when you're, where you're twirling so fast. <laughs> so I said no. I just watched it when we went to Dubai. But uh, I didn't uh, dance like uh, uh, that kind of dance so it really they didn't really know what happened uh, why i had a stroke so maybe it's a lot of factors i've been reading a lot of um, what do you call that books after that uh, about stroke in the young but later on 2018 2019 found out what maybe may have caused it so anyway, back to that well, time. I mean, that caused it. It's essential, maybe my essential thrombocytosis. But let's um, discuss it in the future. That's another story. I had have met a lot of medical problems. <laughs> well, when they took your blood when you're in the hospital, when they already see if you had high yeah, I had high platelets, but I can't really tell. Um, there are a lot of investigations, and no, they can't really. I think my platelet was high, not but not extremely high at that time. So they couldn't figure it out. But anyway, I, I'm just thankful that um, my friends were there. Where I remember my dad was working in a ship wants to go there in Saudi Arabia, wants to abandon his work and move to Saudi Arabia. But of course, he's not allowed to take care of me because he's a male. And also, I remember Nana has, uh, of course, have anxiety. So she was not allowed to go there to visit me. She was not allowed by her doctor. It would be a big problem, a much... Um, would be a difficult situation if she's gonna be the one to take care of me there so just thankful that i have a lot of my colleagues friends were very supportive and eventually 
all the um, uh, what do you call that one my symptoms was um, slowly um, I was slowly I mean I'm slowly recovering and they did a series of CD scans and MRIs but there was one time that I you know I think my my prognosis was so bad and my my colleagues were checking my results in the computer because they can see it it's the system when they were on duty and they would just uh, one of them would said she just cried when she saw my my CT scan or MRI because it's bad and that I remember when you at first arrived in the hospital yeah just uh, a few days or weeks because um, there were, that I had a severe uh, symptoms that time and then I also had a seizure I remember in a hallway like on my on my way to CT scan MRI I had a um, seizure and my friend was very nervous and she was all <laughs> like she was already mad <laughs> with the doctor accompanied us but well I guess uh, God said it's not yet my time and I was transferred eventually because I wasn't able to go through uh, I was, wasn't able to be admitted to the neuro ICU and my symptoms are better and my doctor said I can be transferred to the ward. I'm thankful that one of the heads um, agreed for me to move there in the cardiac in my cardiac in the cardiac center where I'm working. And I stayed there, and my colleagues were uh, my friends were always she had uh, different shifts <laughs> taking care of me, and I have a lot of visitors and doctors my co-nurses the phlebotomies <laughs> they're always checking on me i'm just um i think i'm very lucky still that of course financially as well because uh, all the my bills i didn't have to pay anything and then if i i think it was a was just grateful that I think if I had a stroke in the Philippines, oh my god, I would be I don't know where we're gonna get the money to pay for my my medical Treat- be- treatment. Yeah. yeah. Be difficult. It'd be more difficult here. Yeah. Oh so yeah. 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 It's gonna be pretty expensive. Yeah, it's expensive. super expensive. So it's a lot of a lot of people end up going broke mm. from their medical procedures yeah especially there I, my god I had a series of CT scans MRIs I even have um, TE or transesophageal echocardiogram where you view the heart my god I remember my first MRI I was so anxious I was so nervous because it's it takes like 40 minutes to an hour and it's can really hear the loud sounds it's i think my eardrums are shot <laughs> i'm gonna be shattered <laughs> i'm just exaggerating but that's how i felt that time but i'm glad i was able to overcome all of those things 
But you know what? After I like I was discharged. Oh no, days before my discharge, I remember they removed the PIV or the intravenous site in my hand, and that's the time that I realized I have a left-sided weakness. So before that, I don't I don't move my hands that much because of course there's an IV. So when they remove that, I realized I couldn't move my hands that well. It has, uh, it became weak, so I have a left-sided weakness. And it was sometimes I was wheeled in by my friend to the to the bathroom. <laughs> Those are the things that really, um, what do you call that one? Touch my heart so much. I'm so grateful for all my friends and all those who prayed for me and even my friends in the philippines said i remember one of my friends they went to this far of a church just to pray for me and they had prayer brigades they sent out uh, in the social media also they posted i th- i remember they also like shared posts about me right i don't know <laughs> i think i shared yeah. I shared another post from one yeah, of your another, friends. Yeah, another, another, uh, some, a colleague posted something about my situation and... Yeah, I just like, shared, I yeah, just, I shared I it. Yeah, And everybody was shocked. They said, 27 years old, very active and healthy person, got stroke. So we can't really tell what will happen in our life. So after that, I was discharged, I think, um, it was March I was admitted February 6. I was discharged March 6, 2014. And then I came back to the ward. So I came back to the ward and uh, my colleagues and my head nurse and all my superiors were very... What do you call that one? Very um, understanding of my situation because of course I was just recovering. And yeah, I, because you're you're trying to ask me if you should stay or go back home, and I told you you should probably go home to recover. Yeah, but they assigned me in a very benign or not very busy unit. But I realized when I was like uh, opening the charts, you know, there's a clip. Yeah. What do you call that one? The ring clips. I don't know. I don't know how to explain that one, but you have to like. Uh, make an effort to open it and like then the binder the, oh yeah the, see I can't remember the binder you have to like open it yeah, you have to pull and it then uh, put the stack the papers there yeah I had a hard time with my left hand and my every time like I draw medications from ampules or or vials it's hard for me like my hands are shaking my left hand is shaking so i said my left hand is still not uh, back to its normal strength my fine motors is still not i didn't do physiotherapy i i at first when i was transferred in the board i was doing physiotherapy on my own because i said oh i can move my my hands and everything i can walk so my the physiotherapist just advised me to just um, what do you call that one? Use a clay or a stress ball to yeah. strengthen my grip. Yeah. yeah, and for my speech, what I did is she told me to like move my tongue 
push my tongue to the sides of my cheeks. Yeah, the, to strengthen my tongue. And it helped out. It really helped. So I was just doing my physiotherapy. <laughs> you know, it's very expensive if you do that in the Philippines as well. It's so, not as expensive here. <laughs> so I decided after, in April, I decided I'll just resign. Because my contract, I think, will end the following year. Because I just re- recontracted before I had a stroke. So it's I have to wait like a year before I can like um, resign. With the, I'll get all the uh, what called the salary and the incentives. But so I resigned. It was an urgent resignation. So eventually, I had to buy my own ticket and I didn't have much money I have I was broke yeah I was literally broke because I have to pay my my I got something from my uh, last month of pay but of course it wasn't enough I had to pay my I built buy my ticket it was expensive and I went home and yeah, yeah I was depressed but I was not showing it to my family, of course. I'm the eldest. I have to be strong for them. Yeah, I just remember that uh, we were about to drop us. <laughs> <laughs> and you decided to leave your job too. I don't no, know. No, I was already gone. I was already, out of, I was already out of the Air Force for like a couple of months already. Yeah, you were doing your sales. Well, uh, at the time, I was like, man, I really, really... Because I felt like the pressure was on. Because I really, I was, I, I was feeling like I really have to make a lot of money, just just for you. <laughs> yeah, the good thing is. So, you know, I know my when we first started dating, my mom kept telling me to just go ahead and petition for you. I was like, we just met. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I petitioned for you. We just met. Yeah, we just met. It's really a struggle for us because you know, I thought that you maybe you don't with don't deserve me anymore because I'm like I was pitying myself like yeah. what I said before you tried breaking up with me <laughs> yeah and tried breaking up with you because of course I was thinking that I'm not good enough already and I don't have uh, I don't have career I don't have, um, I don't have my health is bad I don't have a career either <laughs> 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 I'm trying, trying to start a career yeah was, so everything happens <laughs> everything going nowhere yeah it, <laughs> everything happens for a reason so that time I decided to apply to Australia and you and I think Australia and UK because I have a valid IELTS that time but I don't know everything didn't work out <laughs> yeah so I helped pay for your fees yeah I don't know what happened that time and it's, of course, I became depressed because I don't have a job. It's your, they hired you in the UK. Yeah. And then you couldn't go anymore or something because they, they changed, changed your system and have to redo their, the papers they again. They changed the requirements and you, they want you to redo all the paperwork. Yeah, I think that's the time that they started on OSCE and I, I processed with the old system old process so i have to redo it all again and it's super hard to get requirements from saudi i have to mm. bug my friend to like process all the- i've i put her through a lot of things already taking care of me when i was sick and and i was thinking oh my god i'm uh, giving her so much stress <laughs> with all my paperwork so, all, 
also because she has to approach my uh, head nurses, charge nurses. Yeah. Yeah. So is it okay? So I had to find a job in the Philippines, and my God, my my job was very. E- I mean, it's not super easy. It's super relaxed. Super relaxed because I was working in the community, but of course, I didn't get paid much. It was just enough for me. I just buy some snacks, <laughs> something like that. And I remember I still would help pay for stuff. I think. Yeah. Even though I wasn't making anything. <laughs> and I don't know. I know I was depressed that time, but of course I wasn't showing it to my family. I, just, I would always cry alone. I just remember Night. that I, when I paid for your, uh, like your paperwork or your processing fees yeah. for the UK, and <laughs> you, you paid me back. Yeah. Then I had to, I had to use my credit card again because my sister wasn't paying. Because <laughs> I just paid it off. Yeah. I just paid it off after you paid me back. Then I had to use it again. So like, what's the point? That was that was after I went back to Saudi again. So in October 2015, I decided, okay, maybe I have to go back to Saudi first. You, you asked me what you think you should do. I said, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you can't go to the other place, you just go back to Saudi because you already know how it is over there. Yeah. Because and I was and the process is faster. Fa- process is faster and my you know when I had my it was just smooth when I applied. So I felt like oh, okay, this is God's plan for me, because I really didn't have a hard hard time. And when I had my interview, it was just smooth, and my old um, they call that clinical uh, nurse. Oh, my head nurses and charge nurses were very welcoming and they understood my sit they knew my background already so i was grateful that i was able to go back at first i was nervous but i'm just happy that i was able to go back to the same department i worked with so i was uh, i had didn't have a hard time to adjust anymore so that's it that's the start of my journey journey to being with you (laughs) 2015 no it's it took us four years again (laughs) i was struggling financially and like you know I know you wanted me to petition for you, even though you never said it. I can tell, but uh-huh. <laughs> I, was, I was just very like uh, uh, worried because I was like, I can't, I can't take care of you. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I have no money. <laughs> yeah, we we're both broke, and of course, I was just thinking. I was broke, but at the same time, I was, I felt like I was kind of enjoying it, <laughs> even though I was so broke. Cause, <laughs> You're enjoying uh, your. I was really freedom. My freedom <laughs> at the time, I. I en- one of the only thing I, I got out of my sales job was that I would be able to travel a lot because <laughs> they would send me to like different uh, towns or states every week and I enjoyed driving there and just staying in the hotel and <laughs> eating out all the time which yeah. is probably why I got so fat because <laughs> whether I made a sale or I didn't I would just convince myself I need to treat, give myself a treat <laughs> and eat a steak or something okay
Okay, so, Sohan, um, through all your experiences with your stroke, what are some of the things that you learned or realized from your experiences? Okay, so actually I've learned a lot of things during my stroke. Because before my stroke, I was just like a happy-go-lucky person. I, I will have, I mean, I'm enjoying life. I had a yeah, career. Carefree. Yeah, carefree. I'm traveling and everything like that. So I, I was going, I was uh, watching mass every Sunday, but I wasn't really, I mean, my faith wasn't as strong as when I was, had a stroke. When I had my stroke, I remember I would uh, pray during my MRI scan. It was a 40 minutes, I would pray my rosary and my faith become stronger and I could really, I always, you know, there are times that I would just cry at night when I had, uh, when I was discharged because I didn't know what to do with my life anymore. So that time, I think I felt really the connection between me and God. I felt like he was really talking to me and, you know, uh, don't waste your second life. It's so short. Don't waste a second chance that I've given you. And uh, I also realized that you should really value and give value the people who are there for you, not just in happy moments, but especially on your the toughest times of your life so i'm really i'm really grateful grateful for all the people who was were there for me prayed for me during that time and of course i've truly now i try my best to like give my time to those people and not just them but people who needs me or anybody who wants to like needs um listening ear for their problems or anything like that it's really helpful and another thing for my profession i developed this after my stroke i realized i really have to like um be sincere in caring for my patients because um just a simple touch could help alter the pain and suffering of your patients like for example, when I was lying in my stretcher in one of the um, departments in the emergency room, there was one nurse. I was I can't remember her face or anything, but I remembered she was a Filipino too, and she just I was dizzy and I couldn't like couldn't see. I was not myself. She just held my hand and she just whispered some reassuring words, and she was I felt her sincerity and until now you know until now i can't forget those uh, gestures it really helped me a lot and i remember that when she told me when she was comforting me that i was i I heard her name was maya i wasn't able to thank her actually because of course i was dizzy i couldn't even talk but i remember the those kind comforting words and warmth of her hand so now i told myself if i'm back to nursing i will do my best to be comforting and empathetic to my patients and 
do and really life is uh, short we have to value all the things that over uh, that's given to us and once uh, also one message from the my favorite priest that's we always watch that really life is a mission so i think that my second life is like a mission to touch other people's lives and this is one thing like this podcast is one way of like reaching out to other people and sharing my story yeah because that's the point of our podcast just to get people to listen yeah and hopefully whatever they can relate whatever or... uh, we talk about in our episodes they'd be able to connect with us and feel inspired yeah so thank you dear listeners for listening to my story to our story and hopefully we're able to uplift your spirit in these trying times and um till our next episode thank you so much for listening thank you Bye-bye. bye bye